0: Alrighty, fellas. And we're back. Dude, I am in such a good mood tonight. Welcome everybody. My name is Kent. I'm the host of episode 15. Also known as the Tim Tebow episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. I had to think about this one. Carlos
0: Beltran, the new
1: manager of the New York. Tim Mets.
0: Tebow, the greatest college. Football player ever. Patrick
1: Mahomes. Period. Oh man. We can argue this all night, yes, but we, we know Beltran's where we're going.
0: Of the Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for GMatics professionals. Before we uh, unwrap this, I gotta mention the uh, Friends of Friends of the Program. A couple really cool websites here. RPLSToday.com and Land SurveyorsUnited.com are two awesome websites. If you guys have not checked out these websites before now, once we're done. Get on the computer and check them out. Some really good information on both of these websites, and they both are unique in their own individual way. Uh, Also, Parkland College. They are one of two land surveyor programs in the state of Illinois. So if you're in Illinois and you're interested in becoming a land surveyor, check out Parkland College because there are very few options as far as post-secondary education goes when it comes to surveying.
1: And we cannot forget to mention that. Links to all of them are on our website, thegeoholics.com. They are indeed. They are indeed. Friends and of the program. And friends
0: of the program. And if anybody out there is interested in being a friend of the program, give us a shout. Info at thegeoholics.com, and we will make those arrangements. We'd love to have you. That opening number is Kolarz. Never make that mistake again. The name of the tune is Dangerous, and Kolarz are made up of Rob and Lauren, their husband and wife, And they have most, they're on a tour right now on the the West Coast, they've most recently been described as electrifying, blending elements of new and old to create something unique. And, very exciting, the lovely Megan and I, well hopefully she's going to go, otherwise I'm going solo, are going to see them this Friday at Valley Bar. Really excited about that. Uh, their latest single is called "Teenage Kicks," and their latest album is called "Simply Colars," and it's available on Spotify, Apple Music. Check out their videos; I think you're gonna love them. And uh, next week, I'll have uh, I'll have a summary of how that went. I'm sure it's gonna be amazing.
1: We'll have to turn up your uh, headphones next week. We will. You'll be deaf after that. Oh. Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh With that, Social Hall, it's good to be back here at Studio One. We took a little hiatus last week as we hung out at Helton Brewing Company.
2: A little vacation.
0: A little vacation, and we'll definitely head back there. It was a great, great setting, and I look forward to that. We have a special guest tonight. We have Bailey with us. Bailey with a double E. Let's not get that wrong. And Bailey is the sous chef here at Social Hall. Hi, Bailey.
3: How's it going, guys?
0: Fantastic, thanks for being here so uh, uh tell us just a little bit about you. We're not gonna let you get out of here without uh giving us some credentials are you are you uh qualified to be cooking
3: uh I like to think so yeah okay <laughs> uh yeah i started uh well I actually started my career out here i um I was in school to be a paramedic and then I just ended up in a kitchen and then uh the chef was like i'm gonna make you a badass line cook so uh awesome i Dropped out of school to be a paramedic and started cooking and then moved to L.A. Okay. Just that really launched my career after that.
0: So now you're uh, Chef Jason's right hand. Yes. Is that the best way to describe that? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Tell us about Social Hall. You guys got anything new coming up?
3: Yeah, we're completely revising the menu. We're going from uh, New Mexico style food to uh, comfort food with like a modern twist on it.
1: Okay, so getting out of
0: Jason's wheelhouse a little bit. Yeah. Getting him a little un- uncomfortable. Yeah. Are you influencing best that to be in uncomfortable. any way? Best to be uncomfortable, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, get outside your comfort zone. That's you how you learn. grow.
3: You don't learn unless you're uncomfortable.
0: Absolutely. I actually, I'm really happy you said that. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, can you give us a, uh, a little sneak peek into the menu and what's going to be on there?
3: Yeah, well, so Jason's doing like a pot pie. I'm doing um, like a chicken and waffles, but it's going to be a, a sweet potato waffle. With, like, a chili honey on it with the whipped butter, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Great food here at Social Hall. Um, uh, Rumor has it you guys have some sort of competition going on amongst the staff.
3: Yes. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah. All the the front-of-the-house servers and bartenders, they're uh, in competition to make their own dish. Uh, And then they're going to be presenting it to me and Jason uh, on the ninth. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the the best dish gets put on the menu.
0: Awesome. So if you had to eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be?
3: Uh, pizza.
0: <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> me too no, i'm no. gonna be honest <laughs> absolutely, absolutely are we are we
1: allowed to get in on this competition we got a few days here we can come up with something <laughs> the big
0: shoot's already won man you I can't know. enter it again
1: Oh man now now i'm just disappointed
0: <laughs> i have so many ideas i know i'm just I hungry know. all the time yep yeah well thanks bailey we appreciate you being here yeah
1: yes, thank you guys you.
0: all right till next time with that let's catch up with the boys uh producer jake how are you now How's it going, guys? Hope you had a good holiday. I um, saw so I saw this article earlier today, um, and it's about Black Friday and Cyber Monday and what kind of sales were projected from that. Um, online sales rose this year twenty percent um, from pa- past year, so it's seven point four billion dollars for Black Friday.
1: Unbelievable! Wow.
0: That's insane.
1: I was only like point zero, 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 zero one percent Don't do math
0: it. again. Last time you got in trouble. I know. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask, do you guys, did you guys contribute this year? Were you part of that $7.6 Oh,
1: absolutely. My wife was ordering before... Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like all the sales started a week beforehand. Yeah. So yeah. You got to get started early. I, I was I was out a few hundred dollars before I even realized it.
0: Just fueling the economy. That's yeah. what it is. That's We're what it's <laughs> all about.
1: You know, we got was, our, our son was not gonna get a big Christmas this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that the, was, well, that the was kid usually the
0: wants like slippers or pajamas. He yeah, he wanted pajamas this year. So no, wanted, a robe.
1: Last year was a robe. Ro- last year was robes. Robes, uh, plural. He got two of them. He was very happy this year. He literally takes it easy on Santa. He's like, I want pajamas. And yeah, then the he comes to us ever. and he's like, oh, I want, you know, a new laptop, a smart watch. And I'm like, no, that's what Santa's for. <laughs> he has the elves make it. <laughs> I don't want to buy it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, on a side note, I know I uh, am a homer and I always go for this, but I saw an article that said the biggest rivalries in sports and they were voted on, and the biggest one in the NCAA is Arizona State in Arizona. and Arizona. I know our guest has absolutely zero interest in those two teams. We'll get into that a little bit later, but <laughs> after this past weekend, uh, I'm very happy around town with all these people that went to U of A to be a, a sun devil. Was,
0: uh, was Mill Street crazy?
1: Mill Ave. Mill Ave. <laughs> You're killing me. The dude on ESPN said that when they beat the Ducks, I he's know. like Mill Street is going to be crazy. I'm like, oh man, that, that is rough. How could you be such an out of towner? I did like that on that? purpose, of course. I know. Yeah. How about you, Kent? What, how was the uh, holiday? What's the new? holiday
0: was uh, was fantastic. I uh, Thanksgiving was great. Had the family over. Producer Jake was there, of course. He could vouch for me. We had a great time. Uh, food was fantastic. Had some drinks. Uh, no Murphy beds falling on anybody? No, no, it was uh, without incident, which is great. That was Thanksgiving. Of course, I saw a show this past weekend, saw the Meat Puppets on oh my Friday. Goodness. That's a
1: blast from the past. It was
0: freaking fantastic. Oh, I had no idea what to expect, and it was unbelievable. And I'll be honest with you, I consider myself a music guy, but I had no idea that two of their songs were covered by Nirvana on that uh, MTV Live one they did. The it's unplugged? Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's legendary. It's legendary. Yeah, Lake of Fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, Great song. And to hear the Meat Puppet sing it after knowing that, oh, I was blown away. And it was a super small venue. Crescent Ballroom, free plug, don't get used to it. But a great local venue. Uh, anytime you can see a show there, check it out. I did not partake in Black Friday, but I did, well, the lovely Megan and I definitely partook in Small Business Saturday. We we kind of actually made made a loop, came to Social Hall, had uh, had brunch, went to Arizona Distilling Company, had eggnog. Because they had like a special eggnog, which was freaking awesome. And then where we go? We went to, oh my gosh, we drove all the way up to Cave Creek, went to Bricks, bought a bunch of wine, met some friends up there. It was freaking fantastic. But the highlight of my weekend, honestly, was I discovered a new professional sports league. Uh Uh-oh. Legends Football League. Have you guys seen this? Is it just old guys? No, it's freaking smoking hot women. Like playing football They have shoulder pads on just for show But besides that they're essentially wearing bikinis And this is a professional football league Didn't they have that called like
1: the lingerie
0: league Or something like that
2: yeah, but I think this is, this is Legends. This is, this I think they changed huh? it from lingerie to Legends, ah. just to
0: give it a little more respect. Yeah, exactly. Make it <laughs> yeah, more yeah. respectable. It I like was it. It. absolutely fantastic. So you guys check it out, Legends, legends Football League.
1: I thought it was just going to be like Barry Sanders and Warren nope. Moon and these old guys they, out they, they there. They could be coaches, <laughs> I have no idea. It's like, that, like that big three basketball where they're just way past their prime.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, let's move on to our safety share. So this isn't really a safety share. Well, maybe it's equipment safety share. But uh, there's been a rash of survey equipment locally being uh, ripped off here recently. So this is a little bit about survey equipment theft and how to prevent it. And it's almost impossible, I guess, in some cases to prevent. But um, obviously, the, the the obvious one is protect unattended equipment. And you know, how do we do this? I've I've heard of people doing things like like running a cable through the tripod, through like a concrete whatever, or chains. Um, hopefully, you know, most of you are working with two-person crews. And in that case, if you're in like a really crappy area and they exist everywhere, just having to have somebody attend the, the instrument, you know. Um, in, in the case of a theft, be sure all equipment is traceable. So make sure that you have an accurate, up-to-date equipment list, including make, model, serial number, and color of each instrument. You can brand your equipment with your company name, phone number. I know you can put like those, those stickers on there that, are, that appear to be permanent, but those things can be easily be popped off uh, by thieves. Um, so maybe what you can do is kind of like almost like etch or whatever, something uh, onto the, the piece of equipment. Um, when a theft occurs, the first call you should make is your local equipment rep so they can make sure they get the serial number into the system as being stolen. And of course, lock or secure all equipment when not in use in the truck. Um, and even at that, you know, you, you got to make sure that's kind of out of sight if possible. I know Silver Shield makes a really good product, but it's really it's really kind of using common sense. And speaking of common sense, be smart about where you set up. You know, maybe look for a municipal property to set your base up on, you know, like a fire station, police station, you know, park, whatever. There's there's all kinds of um, options out there. It just takes a little thought and a little pre-planning to do that, especially if you're in a, uh, an area that you know is at risk so just a couple things there about um survey equipment theft prevention hopefully that helps everybody out out there
1: i passed a guy locally close to Mm -hmm. my home this morning i live in a decent neighborhood i don't want to brag or anything but uh, he left the truck wide open he had the equipment all over the place and uh fortunately for him he was right next to a fire station so as you say that i'm like oh okay that makes sense why he was not too concerned
0: about it yeah yeah i mean people are I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Someone will just drive up, grab the tripod, throw it in the back of their truck or whatever, and head off to Mexico. It's gone. Do these guys
1: know what it's worth? I, I don't know. I don't know. you know, it's not cheap equipment, obviously, but who yep. really knows? You know, you got to be in-depth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure everybody here knows. Exactly. But, yeah, that, that, that stuff is not cheap.
0: So. so just a couple things to keep in mind as a reminder. Uh, our guest today is Carl Oberg. And before we get into... This episode, let me give you a little background on this this fine gentleman. Uh, he was born and grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, so up north a little bit. He attended Northern Arizona University, home of the Fighting Lumberjacks. <laughs> He's married and has two children. His hobbies include living life and enjoying family.
1: That is an understatement.
0: Yep. Favorite sports teams include all Arizona teams. Kind of riding the wave there. Uh, he's been working in the A&E industry for 28 or so years and is currently the president and CEO of a firm called Rittock Powell and & Associates. And his passion, this I find this very interesting, we'll get into this a little bit more here in, the, in just a little bit, but his passion is about uh, finding a resolution to mental health illness and uh, mental disorders. So, uh, Carl, welcome. Thanks for being here, my friend. Well,
4: thanks for having me. So, oh, but w- I got to stop you for Yeah, two please seconds. do. Go for it. So uh, this is called Geoholics? Geoholics, yeah. Uh, crap, I read it wrong. I thought it was genitonics. So <laughs> on the way up here, I actually did a uh, shot of Fireball because I didn't want you guys to smell the vodka on my breath so I could have gin and tonics with you hey, we, oh, okay.
2: we do not but judge that's okay but it's it
1: geoholics awesome
0: geoholics yep Thank
1: well, you i got for that. i got the last part of it then <laughs> <laughs> it's got the aholic
0: <laughs> yeah exactly uh so thanks for being here uh we're gonna ask you a few questions uh and the first one i mean these are these are kind of softball so questions who, we'll, who, get, we'll get into the more difficult stuff who's the
4: father of jake
0: i have no producer. Idea.
2: It's not one of you guys? Because no. he looks a lot no. like both of you, actually. Uh, well, maybe we're both his father. <laughs> yeah. Jake, like when I first when Like, <laughs> when I first met Jake,
1: I'm like, oh, my gosh. I wonder, wonder uh, who's the father. Yeah. They just put it in the test tube, mixed it up, and said, here, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. I, I, it makes, so, sense. It makes sense. Makes I know, sense. I know
0: Jake's dad. He's a, he's a fine, respectable gentleman. you can't believe
1: that. Kent is uh, Jake's future father-in-law. Oh, oh! I'm, I guess I'm, we should mention
0: that. I, I'm that's putting, a good point. I'm, I'm putting the pressure on Jake. What? Yeah, yeah. So Jake has dated my youngest daughter, Presley, for how many years, Jake? S-
2: uh, six years. Six
0: years. Oh man, I hear,
2: I hear. But a Jake, aren't you like twelve? This Christmas. Bam, he, he looks bam, like he's twelve. <laughs> really? <laughs> they met
1: each other in kindergarten. <laughs> they started dating. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know what's so I'll, funny? I'll show you yours if you show me mine. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> last, that's
0: wrong. Last week's uh, recording. We were at uh, Helton Brewing Company, and there was a bunch of windows so people could could look in at us. And one of the girls asked my wife, Megan, who was there, how old is that guy? Is he like 32? (laughs) (laughs) They're talking about Jake. Yes. You are old. (laughs) Now he's all embarrassed.
1: Oh, man. She must have thought I was like 80 then. She
0: (laughs) probably did. I mean, she could hardly even... She's probably seen three of you also. (laughs) So wait.
1: So...
4: Did he, did you ask her to marry you? Is no. That oh, okay. I was, it's not official. Okay. Well, oh, it's I was it's I mean, it's one of those inevitable
1: truths, you know. We're just yeah. we're just pushing. We're turning the screws a little bit. So, early. how
4: many goats and chickens did you get from Jake's dad? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I mean,
4: that's still a thing. You know? uh, it is still a
0: thing. I you know I would love to have a I want a baby goat. So if his I'll dad offered me a baby goat done deal
1: done deal <laughs> those those would be called kids i know that for Whoa. a reason hey
4: wow that was quick dude who is that guy who is oh, that man guy? <laughs> he's, he's usually not that quick but that's
1: awesome
0: that's what she said
4: well hey guys thanks for having me here this is awesome Oh,
1: it's all good thanks and for I'm, making fun of jake you know, and making him feel part of the family yeah. and thanks for the gin and tonics
0: of course i thought it was vodka
1: whatever it all works mm. it's alcohol <laughs> and tonic so let's
0: let's at least try to provide some content to this episode mm. um that's why we're here. So, Carl, uh, tell us a little bit about your career path. I mean, obviously, you know, you went to NAU. When did you decide that you wanted to be an engineer? What was your first job out of college? And did you ever consider any other career paths? That's like a, that's like a uh, trifecta right there. If you can remember what I just asked you, that's three questions.
4: No, I It's all one story. Is it? It's a great story. I became an engineer out of spite, by the way. Interesting. So when I was at uh, growing up in Flagstaff in high school our junior year, we took these, this test. It was kind of a test to uh, kind of explain to you what you really should be when you grow up. I, I don't even know what kind of test it was. But my number one uh, career was test pilot. And my number <laughs> two, which would have been awesome. How does like, that
1: even come up like, as an option? I, test I, don't pilot. Re- <laughs> I don't remember.
4: But all I remember is number one was test pilot. Number two was civil engineer. And I'm like, ah, A pass at, because I I just wanted to be a test pilot then. Um, So now we're going to fast forward, and I went to college, and I decided that I was going to be a stockbroker. And uh, a friend of mine down here was uh, actually one of the Shearsome kids Mm -hmm. from Shearsome Lehman Brothers. Mm -hmm. And I was looking forward to doing an internship down here, and this little thing called Black Monday in 1987 happened. Uh, So I kind of just told you guys a little bit how old I am. So I decided stockbroking probably is not the right thing because I just heard about uh, 250 people killed themselves on Wall Street. Jumping (laughs) out of buildings. I'm like, you know what? I'll be an accountant. I could do that. That's easy. Um, So accountants, uh, and forgive me any accountants that are listening to this, but they're fucking boring, man. (laughs) Like I can't understand a word is going on, and and I have a math mind, but I can't add for some reason. Uh, You know, 2 plus 2 equals 6. We all know that. So, as I'm falling asleep in classes, business school and NAU, I said, hey, I'm going to go into finance. I I could still deal with some numbers and maybe get into a bank. And uh, they speak the same language as accountants. I learned that, too. So, there's some things I learned in college, by the way. While I was sitting in one of my classes about falling asleep, I looked over and there was a college of engineering. And I said, oh, yeah, civil engineer was my number two. Apparently, I couldn't be a test pilot because I was... Drunk. Well, <laughs> come on. Flagstaff. <laughs> all we did was smoke pot, <laughs> hug trees, and find girls that were the hairiest girls at bars because they kept <laughs> you warm at night.
1: I was going to say you had bad vision. I was going to give him the out. <laughs> oh, I meant
4: because I had bad vision. There we go. Can you delete the r- last minute? <laughs> oh, of course. Anyways, <laughs> Jake, no. so anyways I went to uh, speak to the uh, chair. His name was Dr. Murth, Dick Murth. Uh, about being a civil engineer and he gave me the, I, I think he was having a bad day, but he told me there's no way you'll be a civil engineer. You're too far behind and you're not an engineer type person and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I went down to my counselor and I switched my major to civil engineering <laughs> and <laughs> there you, you have I'll it. I'll show then, him. Like I'm showing. I did. I will <laughs> show you, you son of a bitch. You Anyways, I dick. became a civil engineer. Uh, yep. I, actually at one time him and I got in a fight and I said, now I know why your mom named you Dick. <laughs> yep. Is, is Mr. Mirth
1: still around? Do you, I don't did, know if he's still alive, at but he's not in like, NAU anymore. Did you at anything? least get to rub it in when you when you made it big time? <laughs> made it big time.
4: <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Uh, I did tell NAU that they weren't, don't expect a single penny from me until he's gone. And the minute he left, I sure got hit up. So I've been, <laughs> yeah. a, I've been a great big sponsor of NAU. They're an amazing college, by the way. So that's how I became a civil engineer. And, and during my my schooling... Uh, my stepdad did a lot of construction. So I used to work with him, and we built Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. So since the age of, like, 14, I worked with my stepdad doing construction. And so I kind of had an idea about the construction process, and and then I also have a mind for the engineering, the technical side. I also worked at the City of Flagstaff and their engineering department while I was going to college as an intern. I got to learn a little bit more about the processes associated with fucking stupid people coming in asking you dumb questions that want permits for things just kidding actually i'm I'm
1: not kidding (laughs) they're all they're
4: all fantastic people in flagstaff i think they're uh, no no most of people in flagstaff were these are people that were not from flagstaff by the way they were asking the stupid questions uh when i graduated college i decided to go work in the private side versus the government side uh worked for hntb down in phoenix um that was amazing it was, it was a huge company at the time one of the biggest i uh, worked there for a couple years and they decided to close the doors and then i went to kimley horn and associates for about three years and helped uh those guys at that time we weren't that big a company here in phoenix but i uh, started working on the roadway stuff um, a lot of adot and then i uh, transferred over to parsons transportation group <laughs> loved them they were amazing amazing company to work with um and they gave me an opportunity that a lot of people don't get. Um, I was uh, selected as one of the top fifty individuals in the company to do uh, global business unit president training. Hmm. So a global business unit is like they have a structures global business unit. Yep. They have a uh, a bridge. Actually, they had two. You know, structures and then bridges. They had uh, South America, Asia. You know, all these different ones. So I got to do all kinds of great stuff in Pasadena, and, and I was taught how to actually manage or you know it, it, it's taken a project management course with steroids right mm-hmm. so and i'm working with all these different presidents i'm working with the ceo and i'm actually getting to go in their office and do all this stuff i kind of got into mergers and acquisitions hmm. it was something that was very interesting and guys remember a thing called cyrax yep so ben Kasira and i became really really good friends and i started talking to him a little bit more and then i started talking to uh uh, the folks at Parsons and, you know, I put together a, a business plan and we actually were going to look at purchasing Cyrax in the Bay Area. Um, we literally were about ready to make the deal. All of a sudden I get a phone call from Ben kasiri on his yacht in Lake Tahoe. And I'm like, hey, I thought we were having a meeting. He goes, oh, I just want you to know like a geosystems threw a check down for about $81 million oh, wow. and bought me out. Wow. <laughs> I was like, you son of a bitch. And he's wow. like, well, come join me on the yacht. And I'm like, okay, I love you.
1: <laughs>
4: All is forgiven. That's when drinking started becoming a problem and, and prostitutes. But, uh, no, it was a, it was a, a good experience. And at 2004, April 2004 at Rosen Streets, I was standing in line. And, I mean, it was a great time to be an engineer or a surveyor or a technician or an inspector. Uh, everything was booming in Arizona. As I was standing in line for a beer, I literally had like five job offers. You know, hey, yeah. come to our company and manage our roadway group or, you know, teach all of our people inroads and microstations, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And I was standing behind this gentleman, this, this amazing gentleman. His name was John Rittock. And he was just like blown away by how many people were trying to hire me. So he says... Carl, let me buy you a beer. I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, all right. John Rittock never buys anybody a beer because he's very cheap, which is okay.
1: Frugal. Frugal.
4: I'm sorry. Frugal. But he's an amazing man. One of the A gentleman of gentlemen, I'll tell you that. So we sat down and he said, I think you should take over my company. And I'm like, what? Wow. And I knew Rittock Powell and Associates. I knew about uh, Rick Powell and John Rittock and their crew and we've worked with them in past projects through ADOT and it was amazing to look at their books and to see that before I purchased Ritok Powell and Associates, they'd done over a thousand miles of ADOT roadway projects and like almost double that in Phoenix or City of Phoenix projects, roadway projects. I was like, wow, who knew? Yeah. Um, he actually wanted to give me the firm. Wow. And the reason why he wanted to give me the firm is because him and, um, and Ricky Powell wanted to retire but he didn't want to let his his folks go. He wanted to make sure they stayed employed. And he really ha- was, like I said, he was a gentleman of gentlemen. And he wanted to make sure that his clients were taken care of. So as he was talking to all these different people at Phoenix, McDot, ADOT, and some other municipalities, he says, I need to find somebody maybe in their 30s, you know, this is at the time, um, that could probably take us over. And he said my name came up all the time. Hmm. And I like to joke with people. I mean, engineering is great, but come on. We, we, we got to have fun, too. So I was actually really surprised that he reached out to me. Anyways, I sat down, looked at all of his P&Ls and his balance sheets and assets and, you know, everything you're supposed to when you do a merger or an acquisition. And uh, I kind of I, I identified how much I thought the company was worth, even though he, was, he offered to give it to me. I actually paid him for it. Um, and I borrowed four hundred and twenty thousand dollars from him, so I can continue to <laughs> have some sort of cash flow. So in the end, you know, I paid a, uh, I paid a certain amount of money. Mm, right. So I got to explain this because I was employee number seven when I quit uh, Parsons, I, and and you know what, Larry Langer was my boss at the time, and uh, Larry Olson, and they were amazing guys, just amazing, and they were there for me. You know, they were going to support me on this stuff, and. And even the CEO, Jim McNulty from Parsons, was going to support yeah. me. So what I had to lose. I had nothing to lose yep. <laughs> except for a lot of money. It, yeah. it didn't work. But you know what? Money grows on trees. That's what my pot friend says. But uh, <laughs> So anyways, uh, now we're, we're about 60 people. We have a couple different offices, and we do work all over the world. And, and it's been amazing. So That's cool. And it's 15 that's, years later. So
0: That's a great story. Yeah. Uh, you know what I got out of that? No. I need a yacht
1: on Tahoe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at Lake Tahoe, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I need like it. it <laughs> that's what you Eighty-one million dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. No. Seriously. That's that's really impressive. So, um,
4: so, to, so I, to recap. Uh, yeah. Civil engineer. out of spite. Yeah. All right. That was one of the questions you asked. Yep. Um, H and T B out of college,
1: and the rest is the path.
4: Prostitutes and blow. Oh. Yeah. Well, I did
0: Hookers talk about the So did, you did you did a you did a shitload of transportation work. Yes, a, a lot, lot of transportation work like, right? all over the world. Yes, that's like, awesome. Big, big how, project. I'm a big culture guy. Uh, talking about the culture at uh, RPA, how would you describe it?
4: <laughs> I, like, I mean, you're talking to the CEO, right? It's
0: amazing.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. I can honestly
1: so, vouch that everybody <laughs> I've ever met that's worked there has had only positive things to say they enjoy being there it's it's not a bad day at rpa
0: i can Uh, i can
1: vouch on that that should be
0: a t-shirt not a bad day at rpa actually one time one
4: one time my uh my daughter my wife my wife works with me as well diane and, and uh we were talking about something and my my daughter at the time was i don't know maybe like eight or nine and she's like RPA, Red Talk Power, blah blah blah, Red Talk Power, blah blah blah. So we made shirts that said <laughs> Red Talk Power, blah blah blah, and gave them to all the employees. And those are like the best shirts we ever had. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the question you just asked was your culture. Just about culture. Oh, the culture.
0: Yeah, just about corporate culture. Yeah. So I was.
4: Or I company was, culture. Well, I was fortunate yeah. because I got to work for a municipality. Yeah. I got to work for. Two of the largest firms in the world at those times, HNTB mm-hmm. and Parsons. Yep. And I got to work at that time. Kimley Horn was like a mid-sized firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I think there were like five or 600 people at the time when I worked with them. Sure. So I, I kind of took a lot of information from all the different places that I worked. And I didn't want to be a number. I didn't want my employees to be a number. Mm-hmm. I you know, I liked how Kimley Horn did like bonus systems um, I liked how Parsons did you know other things. So what I was able to do when buying the small firm is I was able to like, get all the things that I thought I liked, that I also thought other people would like, and I kind of put it together, and that's kind of how we do it. Yep. I mean, we have people that worked for, for us for 30 years, 30 plus years, and we you know currently a lot of our key, our core group are like you know, been with me forever, and, and I always tell them I'm like, you, you make me money, I make you money.
0: I say it all the time.
4: Yeah, and and so we do all kinds of different things. You know, we, <clears throat> you know, I'm always trying to stay competitive on the on the um, salary end, and and that's tough. I mean, you get some companies that are just offering unbelievable salaries. Yep. But you got to like add a little bit more to it. So we, you know, for example, next weekend is our holiday party. Well, all the employees love having the holiday at my house because we we dress it up. You know, we have it all ready to go. We make it very comfortable. When I was at one of these firms, I'm not going to say which one, um, it was so Southern Bible Belt <laughs> that we went to a holiday party, and it was Christmas party, and, we had, and people were having to pray. Well, oh, oh, so The guy across, across from me is Jewish. You know, I'm more agnostic. You know, actually, I do have a god, or she's a hot black chick named Shaniqua. <laughs> I've told you this one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's awesome. I've heard she it. She lets me do all kinds of great things. But and I just felt that that wasn't right. And then I went to this other company, and we went to the Christmas party or the holiday party and walked in the guy's house, the, the manager's house, and on the countertop is every alcohol drink you could possibly think of and just great food. Yep. So now we my wife and I, we like to host huge parties at our house for our employees. And it's just a fest. And we make sure everybody takes an Uber home. And one of the other things that I do are my culture. It's I'm going to call it my culture. So is that uh, if you're a new hire within that year or (coughs) between the uh, holiday parties, you have to do a shot of tequila with me. Oh, boy. And I've seen some pretty cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's about family. Yeah. Life is short. You know, right now we're trying to work on this life work balance thing. So we're actually instituting something called flexible time away (laughs) instead of like Mm -hmm. just PTO. Like you, if you meet your goals, I don't care what you do. You don't have to. Be a forty-hour a week person or a sixty-hour week person, Uh, and if you need to do stuff from home, I mean, we're gonna we're starting to allow that. Mm -hmm. So we're actually gonna institute that uh, January first to have a flexible time away. Yep. So it's it's fantastic, and it really, you know, someone goes, "Hey, I want to do this vacation though in December next year for two weeks. Don't I need to earn it? No. If you've met all your goals." You're gonna take yours. it off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're we're like we're always trying to change things to be a little bit different. You yep. know, we we do safe harbor for example, mm-hmm. at our company. Mm-hmm. Nobody does in engineering or surveying does safe harbor. What safe harbor means is that on our profit sharing because we match 401k, but on profit sharing, if if Kent is doing a better job than Ryan, which typically happens, uh, yeah, I was gonna say except for last year, typical, yeah. And and you guys have the same number of stripes on your sleeves. It's The way the process is and the law is on certain types of uh, uh, profit sharing is you have to give the same to everybody, same percentage to everybody. Well, with a safe harbor, I'm allowed to give Kent a little bit more than Ryan. But the beautiful thing is, because of a safe harbor, Kent starts to work for Ritok Powell. You're doing your 401k. I'm matching dollar for dollar up to five, 5%. You ought to, You instantly get that. It's not a you know a, a not a, a mm-hmm. five year seven years vesting vesting yep. and then also on the profit sharing it's only three years vesting with us. Nice. So I took all these things that I learned from different mm-hmm. companies and wanted to improve them to try to attract some of the best of the best. That's kind of how our culture is. Uh, by the way, right now I'm trying to find if anybody out there has a margarita machine they're trying to sell because we want to do Margarita Fridays. Thank you, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you by chance need a kegerator? Uh or we are, have we, Yeah, we've already got those. You already got those. Yeah. Okay. So I, know we got got go, I know where you can find a good used we've
1: one. We've already got those, like several uh, of all, them. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes.
4: No, but it's about having fun. Right. It's about doing a good job. Work hard, play hard. Fun. Oh, totally. And right.
0: I, uh, yeah, I'm a firm, firm believer in that. Life is short, no question.
1: Well, so that's, can, so that's one question. So beyond the culture of RPA... The international aspect can you uh expand on that i'm very curious about that's a long story i'm sure oh no no i'm curious
4: well i'm gonna tell you our part of the story so um because i bought a lot of other companies um i've purchased i think six other companies and merged them in with ours one of the companies i bought (laughs) one of the uh, principals was from ghana um and you know we knew the prime minister we knew the minister of defense the minister of Housing, the minister of transportation, minister, yeah, minister upon minister upon minister. So, you know, in order to start a company in Africa and Ghana especially, it's like a two-year process. Hmm. We were so connected with the uh, political realm there that we were able to get our company started in two weeks. Jesus. Wow. So we started, like, working Was with Was it World an
0: acquisition Bank. or did you just cold turkey it?
4: No, we cold turkeyed it and wow. we placed uh, one of our guys over there and, you know, and and then we started to win stuff, um, which was great. Well, somebody, another person knew that I was doing that and was in church with some folks that were doing a project in Rwanda. And it was ironic because the guy, this, this guy doing this project in Rwanda looked over at my friend and said, gosh, I wish I knew an engineer here in, in the United States <laughs> that, could, you know, that has experience in Africa. He's like, oh, I know this guy. His name's Carl Oberg. Give him a call. So we met with a guy and um, he had a USTDA grant for about, you know, for a certain amount of money. And in USTDA, if it's federally funded grant, you have to utilize uh, by America, you have to utilize American, um, just American uh, workers, like, every you know, a lot or Rwandan. So it was one of those things where we went to Rwanda for a project and then we came home with a purpose. So after that, we did some, a bunch of other projects in Tanzania, um, and then we just started going around the world. I was just in Puerto Rico, and I'm working with uh, Senator um, Rios, uh, an amazing individual there in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, we're looking at trying to help with home with uh, rapid rehousing. You know, it just, it just spawned. Um, and in the meantime, we actually are partners on a company. We, we bought a bunch of uh, – invested in some shares – uh, in Tanzania, we're doing microgrids. So, I'm gonna throw some numbers at you. I feel like I'm talking a lot.
0: Am I talking no, it's right? great. Okay, so. go for it.
4: You know what the, uh, I, and Ryan knows this because I've probably thrown these at him. Do I need my
0: calculator for this?
4: No, no. no. Okay. This would be easy math, like, even for surveyors. Uh, ah, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, I'm the dumb one in the room because like, the surveyors are smart. We just fix I'm all your mistakes. Man. Don't worry about it. Right. Uh, we know it. <laughs> uh, do you know what the population of the United States is? Ryan. No idea. No, don't tell me. Can't say. Jake. Uh, I can't hear you, man. I don't know if your microphone's not on. I think he said 375 million.
0: Four billion.
4: Wow, that's there's
1: seven billion in the world,
4: right? (laughs) Right. So the population. I'm gonna let your listeners off a little bit on this. So the population of the United States about 325 million. They're all looking it up right now. Do you know what the population of sub sahara Africa is without electricity? Two billion. What? That's that's no, but that's a lot. Uh, (laughs) No, it's about double the population of the United States. Wow. So if you sit there and you think about uh, Arizona alone, I mean, you have APS, you have SRP, you have Tucson Electric Power, you have like all these other different electric companies. In sub-Saharan Africa, there's like really no power for that many people. So when I go over there. And I go to places that people don't want to go on vacation. I guarantee that. There's, I got some great stories. I could be here for hours telling you some great <laughs> stories. But um, the, our goal right now is to help children not have to do their homework with kerosene um, because they have to have kerosene lanterns. We want to make sure that when medical uh, – when there's there, – there's a lot of antibiotics that have to stay a certain temperature. Hmm. So when you're in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, you need to go to Nringay, which is in the middle of Tanzania. That's a 10-hour drive. it's a dangerous highway. So when you're trying to get medication, I mean, there, and there's no coolers, there's no nothing to keep them at a certain temperature. You, you, we're trying to figure out a way to help that. So, hmm. so I mean, there's all these little things you, don't, you take for granted. Like when you slaughter an animal, what do you do with all the meat? You have to eat it and <laughs> you share it with everybody and you do whatever you can. When you grow vegetables, you have to grow or or fruits, you have to grow everything in certain quantities so you can you pick them over the week, you know, yeah. as a week goes on and then a month goes on and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So we kind of figured out that, um, you know, we wanted to get electricity, wanted to get power, uh mm-hmm. And we wanted to start doing it with a national grid system, but we couldn't. So now we're starting to work on these microgrids. So we did this one little village. It's about 460 people. We put a uh, a one-megawatt solar system that, that can actually be increased. So these folks don't have lights. They don't have switches. They don't have anything to plug their cell phones in. By the way, I better sell phone service in the bush in Tanzania than I do in downtown Phoenix. Guaranteed. <laughs> 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 Seriously. Like, really? I was communicating with everybody through Facebook. Like, all my team and stuff, <laughs> right? So, they don't have some of these things, right? For refrigeration. Did I say that already? Uh, toaster oven, whatever. Um, so, when this little village found out that they were getting electricity, and I already told you this, what do you think was the number one thing they, these folks went to purchase? Wow. 460 people in this village. Four hundred sixty households, actually.
0: A light.
1: You would think.
4: Or like a little fridge, yeah. or you know, yeah, something. What is it? Flat screen TVs. Oh jeez. <laughs> hey. Flat, but could they, could they get anything them. though? Flat fucking screen TVs. like, like, like an Netflix antenna. and what can they get? What do you think my next step was? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Twenty five thousand shillings, which is uh, what Tanzania uses. Uh, um, Rwanda uses Franks. 25,000 shillings gets you a light switch, a recept, a light bulb, and then we get you a meter. And we also are producing these meters that you actually pay before you use. So we make uh. sure that we get... We also now have like a little stores in these places. Who, we, uh,
0: where's this money coming from,
4: though? Right? Yeah. No, there's actually a lot of trade. There's oh, there a is. lot more going on than people yeah. think. So, And I'm not saying we're trying to... Take advantage of these people because twenty-five thousand shillings really is not that much money in U.S. It's uh, wow, I used to know this like off the top of my. Head. I want to say like twelve bucks maybe or something.
0: That's Jake, hello,
4: Jake. Sh- shillings, He's the international shillings from Rwanda or from Tanzania to U.S. dollars. So we provide these, and uh, and the goal is really to get the kerosene, and they also use a thing called char, which they cut all the trees around them. And they create, like, a coal, which is really also bad. Um, so is it the Kenyan shilling? No, it's a Tanzanian oh shilling. Oh,
1: my goodness.
4: Google has let me down. Kenya, Kenya is a country north of Tanzania.
1: Yeah, Ryan. I, I'm sorry. I'm not the banker so here. So what is Tanzania, it? Tanzania, it's uh, $10.89. Yeah, he said about $10. Yeah. He's right? on it. Yep. So, so we're able to provide people
4: so they can plug their cell phones in because they all have cell phones. So they can plug their cell ph- right. So they have cell phones. They can plug them in. They have a light, a light switch, and then they can continue to grow their system. So for ten, fifteen dollars, we give them all the stuff. We wire their location, their their houses, and it's been fantastic. Hmm. So, anyways, we went we went there. Pete Hemingway is one of my business partners, one of my shareholders, and we went there, and we just we just fell in love with the people. And uh, the children, and you know, it's amazing. It was just amazing. So, I've been all over the world now because of that, wow. and uh, trying to help other places. So it's been Good fantastic. Good for you. That's yeah.
0: awesome. I have a uh, fraternity brother that's in the Peace Corps, actually. Oh, nice. And is somewhere in Africa. I have no idea where he is, but he's always posting on Facebook. So he that's does have he access. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing.
4: He's probably in Tanzania. No. Yeah. Uh, he seriously, might be. it's, we'll it's check amazing it how they have self service. <laughs>
0: it's crazy. Unbelievable.
1: And you, and you didn't build the cell towers out there? No, that's next to me. Uh. <laughs>
4: Actually,
0: we're, we're uh,
4: you know, working with hydropower as well, and, and some of the locations we're dealing with hydropower, we're also trying to figure out a way to um, create a clean water system from the rivers because we do a run of the river, and these rivers are, ni- that- are nasty. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to like work with uh, systems like that mm-hmm. and also energy storage and stuff like that. So it's been pretty cool. It's been really cool.
0: Are you, I'm sure you're familiar with it and maybe you've probably even worked with this group before, but is it Engineers Without Borders? I've worked with them, yes. Yep. Yeah. Is that a pretty functional organization or oh, group? I think, or? I think they're great, yeah. yeah.
4: So I actually uh, help sponsor a bunch of folks from NAU, of course. Oh my God, checks um and they went up to into Tanzania to help redrills or help put some wells together um or dip stations i want to say dip stations because <laughs> the you know because you have to dip cattle and what would happen is these these different tribes i want to call them tribes because i don't know what else to call them they would have to really herd like 300 cattle to you know 30 miles away yeah. and get them all dipped so they wouldn't have the ticks and everything. Huh. In order to do that, they'd have to trade that. So okay. we were looking at doing stuff like hydropower in some of these facilities and create uh, tilapia farms off really? the, off the uh, river banks. Yeah. Cause tilapia could be u- yep. utilized as another source of trade and stuff. Yep.
0: So. Yep. yep. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. You know, man. It is pretty cool. I got a z- gazillion other questions, but we got some other stuff we got to get through here. All right. So, um, I got a couple questions from Facebook for you, actually. Oh, uh-oh. Don't uh, ever, my my don't, Facebook? Don't ever look no. Carl up on
1: Facebook. You will be bored out of your mind. I, the guy uh, just sits at home and uh, does nothing all day. I'm like the worst Facebooker in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is from a Facebook page called The Field Crew. I, what I normally do is like the day over uh, or the day before we have a guest on, I'll post it on there and say, does anybody have any questions? Oh. So I got a couple questions here from, from that posting. Uh, Ryan Swingley, I know Ryan. He's in Indiana, I believe. And this is going to be more on the survey side. Oh, awesome. So his question is, the surveying profession has been hit with manpower shortages all over the country. How has your firm handled the challenge of acquiring new talent? And how do you see the shortage impacting the profession?
4: All right, well, remember, I'm a civil engineer, but without the surveyors, civil engineering can't do, we can't do shit. Like, seriously, the surveyors are the foundation for all of our design. If we have a bad survey, it, it's pretty much ladies and gentlemen of the jury. So, uh, and it isn't just surveying that's been hit really bad, it's been all of them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with some stuff that might offend a few people, and I, I apologize, we have a we have we have some professional surveyors, uh, PLSs that actually have a degree from universities in surveying. Out of all the surveyors I've ever had work for me, and I'm gonna say there's like 50 of them, I've only had one with that degree. The rest of them were more like blue collar and they would work their way through, get their LSIT and then they'd get their RLSs or their PLSs. So what happened I think in our industry in the last I'm going to say 15 to 20 years is we've been pushing and pushing for STEM and STEAM, you know, mm-hmm. science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and you yep. say STEAM's includes art, you know, yep. which is great. But we're not really pushing the, um, you know, the, the plumbers, the HVAC, the trades. You know, the trades. And I got to tell you, surveying is a trade, it's a really it's a trade that becomes that you you start as a trade you start down as like uh you know a rod guy or something rod yeah. gal and then you work your way up and i got to tell you i have some surveyors work for me that make a shit ton of money and they earned it yeah. um so here's the problem everybody was pushing higher education higher education and now we, not only do we have the issue in surveying but we have the issue everywhere mm-hmm. i just had somebody fix my fucking dryer and charge me 500 bucks <laughs> and i'm like dude that took you 25 minutes <laughs> yeah that's like yep. three times what, eight times more than i make right yep so what we've been doing uh what was that gentleman's name ryan shilling uh ryan swingly swingly mm-hmm. ryan swing yep. uh, so i apologize right is we've actually been bringing in like younger folks and teaching them yep like, we've been really working with them. And we have these crew chiefs that are just fantastic, um, amazing. So we, we try to bring in some of these folks. You know, and some of them work and some of them don't, but that's like anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're having the same problem in engineering uh, as well. Um, there's a lot of people that got out of this industry in construction and everything. And now we're getting back to a boom. Hopefully we're being a little more careful how we Boom. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's difficult. I will tell you this, though. I would rather turn work down than try to get work to try to find somebody to do a bad job. You know, so. Comes back to bite you. Yeah. And, and that's one of the yeah. things that we've been trying to do at Ritok Powell is instead of trying to hire a lot more people, we would like to kind of keep it steady. And I'd rather, I, you know, I've been partnering with like your company. Um, Kent and, and, you know, we've been working with Ryan's company, but I'd rather reach out to some of the local firms and say, Hey, I got this, I won this big contract. Would you guys be willing to help with it? Mm-hmm. And if, if any of these other firms came to me and I had some people that are were down, I'd be like, well, hell yeah, I'll even give you a deal, you know, because yep. you'd rather keep your employees. If you don't make profit, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's okay for a short time. But we are in business to make money. <laughs> just yeah, like, the no question.
0: The and, I, I mean, I, I really respect what you just said. I, I wholeheartedly believe the exact same way. I mean, first of all, you have to give to get. That is, a, uh, I guess, a mantra of mine. We'll talk about mantras here in just a little bit. But you have to give to get. And, you know, if you can somehow provide work to other other local other local firms, smaller firms and you, even some larger firms for that matter. Yeah. I mean that goes a long way. It's better for everybody. I know I've done the same thing recently on a huge Alta survey in Tucson. I don't have the manpower to do the field work in Tucson. So I reached out to a respectable firm in Tucson and have their folks doing all the field work. Yeah. Um, it's it's a win win for everybody you know it really is so uh, kudos to you for having that same mindset I very I very much so respect that another question we got is from Robert Alvord and let me see I think I understand this one how do technologies such as LiDAR and drones affect billings in the short term and long term
4: billings So I'm mm-hmm. I'm assuming the question is about uh, AR AP mm-hmm. you know yep. um, accounts receivables account so um, you know we utilize other firms for LIDAR and drones. And, uh, I mean, I can go on for hours on this one. Um, you know, LIDAR is very respectable. I love it. Um, very, it, it, it helps with some of the challenging areas that we do work in, uh, especially if you have a lot, a, lot, a lot of trees and stuff. And, again, I'm a civil engineer. I'm not a surveyor. You guys are probably giggling at some of the shit that I'm saying. But um, I don't trust drones. I seriously don't trust drones. Here, here. I mean, I've seen drones. I've seen all this great stuff, but I've also had more people in the last couple of years come to me for me to hire them because they crashed a drone and they got fired. And then we actually did uh, we, we did a comparison, uh, actually between um, we, we had AeroTech on this and we had somebody else do the drone. I'm not I'm not dissing drone but I don't feel comfortable designing from drone. When you're talking about health and safety, and that's what civil engineers and surveyors are supposed to do, it's about maintaining the health and safety of people, civil, civilians, right? Yep. I have a hard time with this. It, it, and I got I to preface again. Remember, I was a big part of Cyrax and yep. Ben Kassira and I mean, I saw a 3D scanning go from this 400-pound just a mammoth thing that we couldn't keep up with the software or the hardware on it to now you can do 3d scanning on your cell phone. Right. But I still don't trust it. So with the drone technology and I've seen it and I've actually talked to some individuals, I actually had uh, one of my ex employees wanted to me to invest. I mean, it was like uh, going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars in drones. Well, since then I've seen <laughs> the technology change so fast. I, I, uh, to answer Robert's question, um, we do not deal with that. We will utilize some of it for certain things, but not for design things. LiDAR, Mm -hmm. yes. Drones, hell no. Yep. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe someday. We'll see. see. But it's not worth my license. It's not worth my liability, Mm -hmm. my professional liability, my E&O and insurance. and, And it's not worth you know, someone dying because of this technology. It's not there yet. And some of the people that I've met and I, I kind of was starting to go there. Uh, I, I was at a national conference and one of the guys who like owns one of the biggest drone companies, him and I were talking and he flat out told everybody in this conference, don't trust drones. This is the guy who started everything right with drones. Yep. And he told us engineers, don't trust, trust drone technology. So, I don't.
0: Yep. No, I, I don't disagree. I think it's, uh, you know, just like a lot of the technologies that we utilize. it's another tool in the toolbox. It yeah. has its applications. Yeah.
4: Oh, exactly. Yo, there's yep. some great applications with it, but not for design. Yep. Definitely not for design yet.
0: Yep. No, I appreciate that perspective. It'd be like
4: Warren Buffett telling me not to buy some sort of stock, mm. and then I go and buy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: oh, it's funny. Um, let's move on here just a little bit. I want to circle back to something from your bio. Uh, tell us a little bit more and this is something I'm, I'm, I'm very, very curious about and interested in, uh, your fight against or uh, the, you know, helping to look for the resolution of mental illness or mental health disorders. Um, first of all, where, where does that passion come from?
4: So, a lot of people don't realize this. Actually, just in the last couple months, I, have, I am now the uh, chairman of the board for CAS, which is a Central Arizona Shelter Services. Um, and the reason why I get so involved with CAS, the homeless, uh, is because my mother really struggled with different types of mental health. So, so much is that, you know, she, you know, I, there's, uh, she had multiple partners, husbands, and so it, mm-hmm. it was very difficult. So, I spent a lot of my time, and I had two younger brothers. My mom was like, ended up being like a single mom. We lived in cars and motels and churches, you know, wherever anybody would take us. So, I got to spend a lot of that time from age five to 14, like understanding more about mental health and mental illness and mental disorders. I mean, I watched it every day. So even to a point where I used to like take care of my younger brothers, one was seven years younger than me and the other one was eight years younger than me, I, like I became a parent at the age of seven because of mental health. So I always said, if I ever was successful and I had the opportunity, and this was a promise I made to my god, Shaniqua, the hot black chick that was <laughs> I said, if I was ever in the position, then I would try to dedicate some of my time to help with homelessness. Because that's what I thought it was. Understanding homelessness. You know, you have homelessness and you have transient. All right? So homeless people do not choose to be homeless. By the way, 60% of the nation, the United States, are one paycheck away from being homeless. Hmm. All right? So let's up. think yep. about that. So you're homeless. Can't you lose your job? You lose everything. You and your wife, kids, whatever. You're on the street. Jake, Jake's tagging along because he's going to be your future son-in-law and stuff and you're like gosh dang it i got all these mouths to feed you didn't choose that it just happened you made you know there may have been some bad choices where do you go
0: i i wouldn't know where to begin
4: exactly a lot of people don't know where to begin so those homeless people do not choose to be homeless transient people on the other hand have some sort of something that's creating this homelessness. (laughs) Uh, An addiction or mental health, mental illness, mental disorders. Most of the time, mental health, mental illness, mental disorders, and now I'm just going to say mental because I can't freaking do that all day long. Um, People try to self-medicate because do do any of you ever see a psychiatrist? Yep. Most of the time, 99% of the time, a psychiatrist will not take insurance. You have to pay cash. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? We know this. So, you have these individuals that have lost their jobs, lost everything. They're homeless or you have these individuals that are transient um, and they have mental health issues. And our government isn't doing anything about that. Well, now you have the criminal element that is hiding amongst them. Yep. You hear about the story about the lady that's sitting there, you know, I need money for food and stuff. And then she turns around the corner and jumps in a Mercedes. We've all heard it. We've seen it on Facebook, mm-hmm. whatever. You got that. And then you have the drugs the people with the drugs. So what my goal is, is to try to separate the homeless from the transient population right now. Now, if you're, if Kent and Ryan create a do something bad and go to prison, you guys are good guys. I know both of you. I've drank with both of you. Went to strip clubs with one of you. I don't know which one it was. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, if you go to prison, you have to become a part of that culture. You talked about RPA culture. You try to get those people to be a part of your culture. We want a good culture. But when you go to prison, and I've got friends that have done that, you have to be hardened. You are going to be hardened, no, no matter choice. what. You have no choice. Well, that's what happens in the homeless community. You sit there on the street too much. You start to get hardened. By the way, if anybody was ever if, if there was a threat to my family, and or they were gonna you know my family was gonna starve or whatever, I would do anything under the sun to protect my family. If I had to steal, I would. Yep. If I had to feed my children, I would do whatever it takes. If I had to be a male prostitute, if I, uh, anything. It doesn't immediately f- goes there. Oh yeah, I always go there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that put me through college. <laughs> so anyways, you do that. Now I digress a bit. So now we're going to go to the transient population. That was just the homeless part. Mm-hmm. The transient population, what I learned is, if we can help identify the mental... Part of it, we could probably fix a lot of people. So, my original goal was to start my own nonprofit associated with mental health, mental illness, and mental disorder. God, I just did it again. I'm going to throw some more numbers at you because I'm a numbers guy, right? Eight. So the population we just found out, Jake. Jake looked it up and he was way off, but um, he was th- three hundred seventy-five million. We said three hundred twenty-five million. It's not so bad. The population of adults in the United States that have been diagnosed with mental health, mental illness, or mental disorder is.
0: Do you want me to? Sure. F- f- Fifty million. Wow,
4: that was pretty good. Almost sixty million. Good job. Yep. Okay. Yep. I, I, I did, I did my research. Know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Yep. So now those are the people that have the money to go see a psychiatrist not a psychologist mm-hmm. a psychiatrist understands the mind understands the brain understands the chemistry associated with it now let's. what do you think the population would be that would be diagnosed with mental health that can't afford to go to that i think it'd be double that triple that you think i mean if you were like 60 million for the people who got diagnosed how many million do you think it would be that have not been diagnosed but you know, have those issues, and by the way, I, you guys most likely know who some of those people are.
1: Yep.
4: So let's just say it's
1: double that for double, sure. Okay, so yeah. 120
4: million there. Yeah. So you got 120 plus our 60 million. Yeah. Now, so the children in there. Yep. Two thirds of the United States deals with mental health, mental illness, and mental disorder. There's four of us in this room. I am a poster child for mental health. <laughs> I actually have to take Zoloft because i have anxiety and stuff my daughter has to take something because she is has some of these issues and then my son also was taking but now he's off of it if you sit there in a room it's amazing how many people but people always sit there and they don't want to talk about it yeah. but we need to talk about it it's got it. a stigma
1: attached to it for
4: well, sure it does, it does for sure yeah and and the way that mental health works is you have your left side of your brain which is your chatter so ryan's left side of his brain is like okay Okay, Carl's talking. All right, I'm going to listen to what Carl's saying. Right? And then you have your right side of the brain is like more the, hey, look at how pretty Carl's eyes are. <laughs> Ryan, stop gazing at oh, my get eyes. Get out of my mind. Jeez, dude. Hey, Ryan's the right side of the brain is like, God, I wonder what he looks like with his shirt off. Well, here, Ryan, let me show you. Okay, so I'm getting naked right now. It's a good thing there's no cameras, right? But anyways, there's these, these, these like synapses that go between your right side of your brain and your left side of the brain. And, that's, and there's serotonin that goes between that, which helps level you out. That's your yin and your yang. It helps make sure that your, your chatter is doing something and your, you know, how glorious the color is in the world is is on the other side. Those uh, synapses start to get constricted because of something. Your serotonin gets stuck on one side or the other. You have anxiety or you have depression. It takes nothing to open those synapses, nothing. Zoloft, 100 milligrams or something, $7 a month for 30 of those. Yep. So my ultimate goal is to start a nonprofit, help those, fir- those folks first, and then start going on to the more, and that's more of a disorder, and then start getting into the uh, mental health and mental illness st- stages. But yeah. anyway, so becoming a part of CAS is, is going to be kind of a little bit of a launching pad. To go into that next level and stuff, yeah. so I just threw I, a lot of stuff at you. No, it's great. I, I definitely. And I'm an engineer,
0: and I, I want to talk to you more <laughs> offline about the cast thing. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, you know, now I'll. I guess you know, full transparency here. I mean, you you can be born with a predisposition. Is yep. my understanding to mental illness? It could happen as a result of something that happens in your life that kind of throws off those synapses, you know, and the and uh, the serotonin. Like, for example. Um, I went through a divorce probably about 12 years ago and at that time I started having like panic attacks and stuff like that. Right. It was just a very stressful time in my life. Um, went and saw my doctor about it and the doctor's like, yep, of course, prescribed Zoloft and, uh, fixed it. Yeah. Essentially. Oh, it's amazing. Fixed it. Yeah. I never realized how dark my brain was until
4: I started, until my doctor gave me Zoloft. Yep. I never realized that there was more anxiety and depression in my life than I knew. Yep. And once I took it, it was like, oh, oh. like everything's brighter. Everything's yep. funny. Everything's great. Yep. You know, so I, I highly it,
0: recommend it's, it's, people. It's life-altering. It's I life-altering. Ha- I would
1: have to give it credit because I've never seen Carl in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is working. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't talk to some of my employees. It was like, yeah. oh, he must have had a Zoloft. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I mean, but point being, really, I mean, it's, first of all, you have to be able to admit to yourself that there's something wrong. Yep. Right. And you have to be willing to swallow your pride and go see a doctor about it. Um, and it, it just, if you get on Zoloft, for example, you're not going to be on it the rest of your life necessarily. No,
4: no, you can taper it down. I, you, you can taper it down.
0: down. And I mean, that's kind of what I did. I mean, once I got through the divorce initial thing and everything and tapered it down, I was good. But then unfortunately, I got into a very toxic work environment, I don't know, five, six years ago. And it got to the point where. I was having such anxiety when I woke up in the morning. There's was, there was one time where I uh, I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. I couldn't catch oh, yeah. my breath. I couldn't, I'm like I'm like hunched over on my on my couch, not able to catch my breath. I'm like, you know, Megan my wife I'm like, Megan, you got to take me to the hospital. I think I'm having a freaking heart attack." And we're, you know, we're driving to what I think is going to be the hospital and we see a fire station. We pull off and I, I just I cannot catch my breath. I thought I was freaking dying. And you know, the the fire the, department or the paramedics come out and they check my heart and everything like nope you know you're not having a heart attack you're having you know a little bit of anxiety a little bit of a, a panic attack whatever like make sure you go see your doctor and so again went to my doctor again and she's like you know let's let's try the zoloft again and, and sure as shit you know it i was i was good again and it's just it's amazing how um you know, it, it could be it, it's chemical based. There's no question about it. You know, there's like you said, the synopsis and stuff like that, and the serotonin. There's so much to it that people have no understanding of, yeah. unless you've swallowed your pride, taken the the time to go and see a doctor, and had a discussion about it. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's amazing. And I, I have a a, a soft spot spot in my heart for for homeless folks. You know, just just as you do. And uh, you know, I, I really, honestly, I look forward to talking to you offline uh, about some of the things that, that you just shared with us. So I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, no. And, and I'm always, I'm always willing to explain or talk to people. Yep. There's been a few people in my office that I've had to like help or mm-hmm. I've had people call me on the phone and said, Hey, I know you're, you know, what's going Can you help me figure it out? And I mean, my psychiatrist, he's the most amazing, funniest guy on the planet. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my uncle, um, my, my aunt husband is like a, like almost a world-renowned psychiatrist. he's amazing mm-hmm. and he's the one who really helped me understand because I was really struggling I almost got to a point where I couldn't even leave my house or my office and as the owner of a company at the time mm-hmm. I needed to sell my services yep. and if I couldn't have a meeting with the client I mean what what are they going to think of me yep. or when I meet with a client I'm like oh
0: I gotta leave you am a mess
4: right. <laughs> it was terrible yep. it was actually terrible yeah and my uncle was the one who said you need to go see somebody yeah And when you because get to that
0: point you're like you know you're you have to be in a social setting and you're just you're out of your mind oh yeah it was mm-hmm. terrible you know
4: and, yeah. and so i always tell people i'm like if you ever just want to talk or you feel that Or even if you're having an anxiety attack or you think you're having a heart attack. But, you know, some of the things that I always found is, like, your palms are sweaty. Your tongue starts to swell. It feels like it's swelling. It gets dry. Uh, Most of the time, that's not a heart attack. But you think it is. And then you think maybe you're dying of cancer. Your mind plays tricks on you. And it makes you think something is the worst of the worst. So you have your fight or flight. And right now, your your fight and flight are both down. So you don't know what to do. So I always tell people to put their hand on their chest and tap it and, and count backwards from a hundred. And just to see if by the time you get down to like 75 or something Mm. to see if you're starting to feel a little better and you're starting to breathe a little easier and so, and you'd be surprised how many, how much that works with
0: some people. So yeah, yeah, that's really good. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what else? How how much time we got, Jake? Where are we at? Uh, About an hour and 10 or so. Hour and 10 or so.
4: Oh, we have an hour and 10 more minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you a story about Zanzibar.
0: No, <laughs> no let's a uh, couple other questions. You want to hit him with something, Ryan?
1: Well, let's round it back to uh, the professional world instead of the mental health. Okay. Um, what do you wish you could tell yourself, your younger self that you know now?
4: Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I wish I could tell my younger stel- self what I know now
1: besides listen to Shaniqua.
4: Well, I mean, do, do I go to the girl side of things or do I go to the professional? Side? No. Um, uh, you know, I made some bad choices. Again, you get into a situation, you know, growing up like on the streets or you, you experience homelessness. There's some things that I did that I'm not proud of. And uh, if you were to look at my juvenile record, you'd be like, holy crap, Carl. <laughs> like I seriously was a very bad kid. I would actually go back to that kid and I would say the mistakes that you make now could could follow you the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a guidance. I didn't have anybody to really help me figure those things out. And that's what I would do. I would actually I would take my younger self and I would put put that person under my wing now and teach them more about respecting others. R- respecting like, just the uh, you know everybody's cultures. Like just respect. Period. I would have told that younger self of mine to go into martial arts, because seriously, that's what you learn. You learn respect. You learn how confidence. I had zero confidence. Like the person you know now. If you would have met me when I was eleven, you'd been like, "Whoa, that's a completely different kid." I was a mess. I was mm-hmm. a
1: complete mess. So well, basically, yeah. so. Your mentality at that age was you had nothing to lose, but now you realize that could follow you for your whole life and you could have a lot to lose at this point. Exactly. Is that, is that about accurate? Exactly.
4: Let me just say I'm really happy we didn't have uh, iPhones back then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know, I, gotta, I, I wouldn't take back anything I've ever done in my life. Yep. I mean, I did some bad shit. I did some bad shit with some really bad people. Um, some of those bad people are no longer alive. Or actually, one of those, those guys is like one of my best friends. Just got out of prison for after 15 years. <clears throat> I mean, we did bad shit. Mm-hmm. We did bad shit. That's what we did. But we were kids. Yep. You know, um, it just followed him and a little I, bit further. I, well, yeah. Sometimes you gotta like no one to no one to hold him, no one to fold him, yeah. no one to Good walk point. away, <laughs> no one to run. Um, but he's one of my best friends still. Love him to death. You know, he went to prison for pot, and what he comes out and he's go. Like, oh. He goes, Are you serious? It's legal. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it was yeah. stupid stuff. Yeah. That's what I would tell my younger self. It's just like, Hey, you don't need to fall into peer pressure. You don't need to, you know, do this. You don't need to do that. But I also got to say a lot of my friends that I grew up with and spent a lot of time in juvenile or you know, on the streets. We used to be WSL 13. And I mean, there was a, like, some gang stents going on and the same folks. When I got older, And when I decided I wanted to go to college because I had to do that myself, all those friends protected me. (laughs) They protected me from not doing bad shit. And, you know, I'm hearing them going, oh, we're going to go do this. But, Carl, you're staying home. You're staying here and you're going to study because you're going to make something of yourself. Yeah, Yeah, You're you're not going to do it because, uh, you know, where I grew up, I was the minority. I was the one that all the, you know, I lived in these places, these Section 8 homes or whatever, these uh, communities where it's was mostly, um, you know, different, like, black and Hispanic. And, you know, and I was the minority. It was like uh, we lived in this one place. There was 600 and something homes, and we were the only white family. Mm. So I got my ass kicked by half of those people, <laughs> and I learned how to fight. But then we became friends. And then the, some of the white kids... Didn't like me because I was the one at the, you know, I was embarrassed to get the free lunch or whatever and stuff. But I was a kid that only had like two pairs of pants and two shirts. So I would go back to that kid now and say, it's actually going to be okay. You don't need to pretend that you're going to be cool by doing these things. Just follow what your heart says. And if someone tries to talk you into doing something, just say, you know what? I just can't today, you know, or something. So yeah. that peer pressure is tough. Peer pressure no is matter a, how old you a get. mother. <laughs> That's
0: so good, man. Um, Go ahead, Ryan, hit him with your favorite question. Oh, my the, favorite. Uh, uh, I,
1: I don't know if you've listened Cardinals. to any episodes. Oh. Um, <laughs>
4: oh, I listened to all 14 of them. We, we, <laughs> my, my favorite was conveniently. the uh, nine and a half set. Oh, okay. Was, well,
1: like, we always ask, the, we always ask the guest uh, if they live their life by a certain mantra. We've had some, we've had some doozy. So you got to, a tall I'm order I'm ahead not. of you here. Dude, I have like 20 mantras, but I'm going to tell you the one. You give me the tippy I'm, top. I'm gonna I do I'm
4: going to tell you the one that I, I think your listeners and you guys will always remember. My grandmother was the most amazing woman in the world. She's 97 years old right now. Uh, maybe 98. I'm not sure, but she's amazing. And she's the one who kind of took me under her wing in certain things. But she said, if you walk into a room smiling, eventually everybody will smile. No matter how bad a mood you're in, you just do it. And there's times when I go to my office and I've just had like the worst effing day, but when I walk into my office, I whistle and I smile because eventually everybody follows. So that's my mantra. That's That's, infectious. Why, I've ne- that's
1: why I've never seen him in a bad mood. He's faking it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he do a really good job at it.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us? Nothing else, maybe we haven't touched on. I mean, I, I I thank you for being here, and uh, you know, for having the courage to share some of the things that you did, and it's awesome. I, I I really appreciate it.
4: No, I really appreciate you guys doing this. This is great, by the way. So, anytime you need me back, I'm, I'll be happy to do it, and Mm -hmm. I can, I can be on the. I can be on the funny side or I could be on the serious side. So, whatever you guys want, I loved it. We'll love we to had, help. So we had a good balance.
1: Yeah, definitely. I like I, and
0: I've got about 20 questions that came to mind since we were talking. So, we'll definitely have you on again. All right. So. Fantastic. All right. With that, let's uh, let's put a bow on this one. Uh, on our way out the door, let's make sure we plug our friends of the program one more time rplstoday.com, com, and of course, Parkland College. You can find Parkland College Surveying Program at parkland.edu forward slash surveying. Thanks again to Social Hall. It's good to be back here at Studio One. And of course, you can find us at com. Go to the website, get on our mailing list. If you want to be on the program, uh, shoot, me, shoot us an email info at thegeaholics.com. Find the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbeam. Can't
1: what forget else? Facebook and Twitter.
0: Facebook and Twitter.
1: You need yeah. that social media following. Oh,
0: Instagram. Check
1: we're, out the Instagram. Gonna, we got like
0: 200 followers already. We can't forget a picture
1: of Carl. Snapchat. That'll bring in some some followers. Absolutely. On, on oh,
0: and collars Col- are uh, taking us out with dangerous. Till next time everybody. Be safe.